I've always wanted to start a podcast like this. Riff. For those eagle-eared listeners out there, yes, that was Pantera's new level, signifying that we, the Battleship Potemcast, have moved to a new level. Long-time listeners, hello and welcome back aboard, and for you newcomers, ahoy, and welcome aboard the Battleship Potemcast. I am your host, Captain, and Interrupter of Sentences, Captain Cook, and with me, a writer, quartermaster, and incomplete sentence speaker, Rob Stokes. Ahoy! Battleship Potemcast is part of the Podnose Network, the, the UK's leading independent... Comedy Network. Yep. For podcasts in Britain. Mm-hmm. And this episode is sponsored by Mother of Monster, by our lovely Rob Stokes. Never heard of that. Are you sure you're not talking about Mother and Monster? I always write off. Yeah. Anyway, Mother of Monster, mm-hmm. I've read it. Yep. Um, is available on Amazon. And for those of you in the Hull area of Great Britain, on Saturday the 16th of September, our very own Rob Stokes will be doing a book signing at Waterstones in the Hull City Centre. Signing both books and body parts. Hopefully so. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough for this show. Should we, should we get a regular jingle on? We shall get our regular jingle on. Well then, Rob. Now then, Captain Cook, we've had a bit of time off. We have. How Have you enjoyed it? I've had a good recharge of the batteries, as it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that is necessary. Yeah. Becoming jaded. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a poor summer yeah. in terms of weather and movies. Mm. We got Wonder Woman, we got War of the Planet of the Apes, but I think... Those weren't really in the summer season. No. And I think we just got a bit worn down. It was like, right, a yeah. couple of weeks off, let's reassess things. Mm-hmm. Let's change some shit up. Yep. And also, let's watch some movies for us, or rather me. Aye. Because we had some, we had one movie in particular on the uh, back burner, on the to-do list. Yeah. For a while. Something we've been uh, teasing and dreading in equal measures. I've been eagerly anticipating. Yeah. Um, I know you have. Well, Rob and I, a few episodes ago, had a conversation about things that truly terrified you when you were a kid, like, you know. Yeah. Before you were 10, Mm -hmm. preferably. And um, I spoke about... This alien abduction movie called Fire in the Sky. And Rob spoke about spiders. Yeah, in general. Which prompted me to say, well, have you seen arachnophobia? The answer was no. So, we made best use of our little holiday, and we made Rob squirm and watch arachnophobia. Mm. So what did you think of arachnophobia then? I don't know. Don't we need to uh, talk about it in a retro review? Would that require a jingle? Specifically this one. So, Quartermaster Stokes, Arachnophobia came out in 1990, stars Jeff Daniels and John Goodman. And it was directed by Frank Marshall. Frank Marshall. Mm-hmm. What a great name. Where's Frank Marshall from? Um, I'm not entirely sure where he's from. I know that he... No, no, but like Frank Marshall, isn't that the name of a character in another movie? Mm. Frank Marshall. Sounds like a cop. Yeah. I don't, I, I, see, I'm just imagining... Um, something that, like, Sylvester Stallone's brother would have played in some schlocky B-movie of just, like, Frank Marshall is Marshall Law. Yeah. This time, it's personal, and he's about to make it double personal. Right, well, yeah. Yeah. Interesting tagline there. Yeah. But arachnophobia. Mm. Because, obviously, you apparently... Suffer from arachnophobia. I do. Though I've never seen you with one ab- aboard the ship. No. What, how do you react to that? Um, what if there was one just on the wall now? It's a case of if it's if it's far away and it looks like it could take me in a fight, then the ship is th- that. It belongs to the spiders now. Um, usually it's... You'd surrender kid. that easily. No. The interesting thing about you not liking spiders so much is, let's be honest, your favourite superhero is probably Spider-Man. It is Spider-Man, oddly enough. And how does that go? <laughs> um, In that I don't watch the origin story, which... Yeah, you're just well, looking away when Mary Jane's like, ooh, when yeah. Peter's getting his Mary Jane to take photos. And that. Yeah, it's... Next to the spiders. Brilliant reference, Michael. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. Next to the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only spidery bit I can think of, because that's when he's got yeah. his hand on the camera and it's, whoops-a-daisy, yeah. been bitten. To be fair, it's it was that time of... CGI when 
it looks more like a cartoon. I can handle cartoon spiders. Though, right, right. What? Well, yeah. In arachnophobia's defense, it's blatantly animatronics. Yeah, but... <laughs> this big-ass fake spider, and you're going... <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, mm. it was nearly worth not watching the movie just to sit and watch Mr. Stokes, established movie critic, squirm, close his eyes, put his hands in front of his face, look away, rotate in his chair, do any manner of things yeah. so as to not see the spiders. But the interesting thing for me was, because I've seen the, the movie multiple times, like, I know when the spiders are coming. Yeah. You didn't. Right? No. And I forgot how much tension there is in this film because of that. Yeah. Because the spiders can literally just appear. Yeah, they Because they they're fucking up. spiders. Yeah. They can be anywhere. They usually are everywhere. Run. Run away. I know, but they're just spiders, man, and they're on the telly. Yeah, this is something that, um, like, you complain that nobody appreciates asthma or... Well, well, well yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in the It interview. Yeah. Interview, review. Yeah, so nobody, except for other arachnophobes, acknowledges that, oh, what, they're just spiders. They're more scared of you then you are of them. Yeah but, like, yeah, but if we were their size and they were our size, they would not hesitate in stamping us to death because spiders are dicks. That's an interesting theory. But you, su- I am not a fan of spiders. No. I ain't picking spiders up, for example. Yeah. If we were somewhere and there's a tarantula mm. and they were like, do you want to stroke it? No. Mm. I don't even want to be near you. I'd be like freaking... I'd have sweaty palms. Yeah. It'd be horrible. But, a spider on a TV, yeah. not on the TV, inside it, but yeah. being projected out to you is a ridiculous fear. Yeah. Like, I, d- I don't understand. Well, I don't understand. That's the thing, though. It's it's an irrational fear. It is something No, but you that, are of rational mind. That I think that's what is so scary about spiders, though, is the fact that the animal part of your brain recognizes back back from the caveman days days where you couldn't control your own instincts it was just fight or flight and it suddenly despite of all of our society all of our education and as far as we've progressed we're still just monkeys waiting for something to kill us and just jumping out of the way but they're not even poisonous well they are in the movie incredibly Mm. poisonous yeah it's but in england you have no Justified reason for being afraid of spiders. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you're a grown-ass man, Rob. And it's just a movie. There's there's a difference between saying that and going, yes, this is an absolutely true statement. That makes perfect logical sense. And then being in front of a spider and then the ante- the bit of us that descends from antelopes, because that's how evolution works, just goes, no, 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 gone, gone, gone. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I always regress to that. Um, I just want you to be more like Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Because Jeff Daniels overcame his fears. Mm. It's, it and is, that's the message of the movie. It is, oddly enough, something that they do uh, establish in that film is that... I love that our leading man yeah. in this... I'm going to call it an 80s movie, even though it came out in 1990. It is a, an 80s movie. They've got, he's got shoulder pads, for Christ's sake, in his jumper. Yeah. Right, it's an 80s movie. And uh, our leading male... You know, in a time of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis just in their pomp. Yep. We've got a man who's afraid of spiders. Yeah. And he's a, he's quite open about it and will regularly say, I'm just going to stand over here whilst you look, I'll go do that. And, you know, right, we found it. One of these kids finds a spider. Right. Let's go find your mum. Mm-hmm. She's got to deal with this, you know. And I think that's, <laughs> it's a really good choice yeah. because then by the end, you know, and obviously he's got to protect his family and therefore the world yeah. from these spiders and he, and he, he moves. Yeah. It it, is, it's a triumphant moment. Yeah. It is a huge, it is a great deal of catharsis and something that I can sympathize. It's, and they do even establish that it isn't so much the spiders that he's afraid of. Like, it's obviously that, but the opening of the film, past it, the actual opening, which we'll get to, is all about the fact that he goes to a town and he's the doctor. And the then the doctor, doctor says, no, I'm not retiring. Uh, so you're stuck as jobless. And he's like, oh, my house, there's all this shit that's wrong with it. And it was supposed to be fine. 
And it's the fact that everything is just being taken away from him outside of his, where he can influence it. Interesting. Yeah. You thought, I, I like that mm. theory. I didn't look at it like that. Um, yeah, because it's effectively two movies. Yeah. There's one movie which is about a town that gets invaded by deadly spiders. Yes. And then there's another movie about a doctor moving to a new town from the big city mm-hmm. and struggling to adapt to rural life. Yep. And like, I thought it was interesting that a few times it's referenced that his wife, who's now like domesticated, she's like going back to living on a farm and raising the kids, was formerly a stockbroker. Yeah. And formerly a successful one. Yeah. Well. It's like, that's what we've left behind to... You know, it's like pre Ali McBeal. Mm. We've not quite got, you know, like, independent women and all that. Throw your hands up at me. We haven't got them yet. But you can see the seed, can't you? Yeah. Annie Lennox has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, great movie. You know what movie I, I often think it's very similar to? Oh, I? The Exorcist. I, I can see the similarities. Because we've got our doctor, mm-hmm. Dr. Atherton. Yeah. Who's bloody well in English. Bloody well English. And like got a Targaryen haircut going on, yeah, which is great. Because you wouldn't know that he's an intelligent doctor without him having a British accent and sleeked back awful hair. <laughs> There's no way you could tell in the 80s. I love that he's called Atherton. Yeah. And our first victim of the spider is called Manly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just be a generic everyman American. Yeah. And um but yeah, so the exist and arachnophobia. They start off very similar. The Exorcist starts off with our uh, Max von Sydow yep. in Iraq, and then he, you know, all this stuff, and yeah. then he disappears, and it's all about this little girl getting possessed, and then at the end he comes in, yeah, and does an exorcism and dies. Mm-hmm. In our movie, in the in Venezuela, if memory serves, yep. looking for spiders, this dude, yep, yep, some get some guy gets killed. Oh, you see a spider get in the coffin. Cut to this story about a doctor in a town. Yeah. And then at the end, he comes in and he dies. Yeah. So, spoilers for a 17 year old film. Yeah, and a 40 odd year old film. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. And I I, I really like that aspect of it. Like, that the first 15 minutes of the movie is so different to the rest of the movie. It's all set in the jungle. There's there's all sorts going on. It it sets up the clear character arcs for a completely different film because. Manly is this person who is a football photographer. Yeah, yeah, he's your he's your everyday American, and we're American, and he is obviously going to be our hero, our journey into this world. While the mad scientist, maybe slightly evil, we're not sure what he's on the level. Oh, he's dead, and he's out the film, and it's a really now good to Jeff fake. Daniels. Yeah, it's a a really good fake out, and B. They make this guy identifiable and then kill him as... It's a, a bit like uh, Drew Barrymore in Scream. Yes. Mm, it, I'm it, full of these today. Yeah, it was It was something that horror's 90s films were really doing well for a while. Yeah. yeah. Samuel L. Jackson in that shark movie. Deep Blue Sea, they ate me. A fucking shark ate me. Frank Dix. Yeah. But we can't talk about arachnophobia without talking about what is arguably Joker in the Dark Knight of this movie. Mm. And he doesn't arrive in the movie until, I think it's an hour and 45 minutes long, the film. Yeah. And I don't think he arrives in it until the hour mark. Yeah. But Mr. John Goodman, mm-hmm. in one of his first major performances. Uh, very much so. I don't know. Before Roseanne. Yeah. Before the Big Lebowski. Before his Coen brothers' renaissance. Yep. Th- this was one of his first ever roles. And... It's and he's one of the greatest characters all of all time for this piece of music. Isn't it so cheerful? It's that so- is, you can't not like a character whose theme that is. Yeah, and it's just the fact that this character seems like he came out of a completely different film because every other scene is really tense and has this kind of dread going about it. Oh, ooh, the spiders, they could be everywhere. And this guy turns up in what is effectively comedy scenes and he's just like, hi, I'm here to kill spiders. I'm very good at killing spiders. Dilbert, the local exterminator. Yeah. And, and he has many a cracking line. Yep. I personally like 
when they're discussing where the nest could be. Yeah, and he's like, ah. And he's like, it's not in the barn, it's not in the barn. And Jeff Daniels goes, there's a giant web in the barn. A web would indicate an arachnid presence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John Goodman. Yeah. And it, I found out an interesting thing about John Goodman. All right. Did you know that statistically, like according to IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes mm. and all that nonsense, statistically, John Goodman's the greatest actor of all time. Is he? He has the best... Um, overall average rating in all his movies. Because let's be honest, apart from Flintstones, everything's glorious. Yeah, I, d- I don't think there is a film which ranks being... Name me a bad John Goodman movie. They don't exist. The Jungle... Tran- it was in Transformers. Yeah. Bollocks. Jungle Book 2. Was he in Jungle Book 2? <laughs> yep, he was Jungle Book 2. He plays Baloo. Of course he does. Yeah, because... Outside it's almost Bill- disappointing to know that he d- didn't play Baloo in the original. <laughs> yeah. Yes, w- before he was born. <laughs> we, we should get John Goodman to travel back in time. That's the first application of time travel, is just to get him to play Baloo. I always thought John Goodman is just Baloo, but the man. Yeah. Like, as a kid. I remember watching Roseanne and just being like, that big giant guy's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As easy as you go sing. It's just nice. That guy's nice. I think he's nice. But he, I, he's one of my all-time favourite actors. Yeah. So there's something that's just warmly affable about him, even when he's a threatening presence, such as in Ten Cloverfield Lane. It's almost that the fact that he's so affable and friendly is the threat. He's a strange conundrum, because he must be about six foot six. Yeah. He's a giant. And... But he's not. He's like a lovable bear. Yeah. Yeah, he's a teddy bear. Just great big... He's Baloo. Anyway, I think we should both pull John Goodman's dicks out of our ass and mouths, respectively. Yes. And um, going on to sucking something else. Mm, Possibly this film's use of multiple genres. Oh, interesting. Mm. You multiple genres? How? Well, uh, this is something that is quite strange about this film, is that it's a horror film. But it really, really isn't. No. Like, there's not that many horror scenes. Um, like, as he said, it's all about this Americana and the fact that it's kind of a comedy drama about are the uh, Doctor fits in and all the towns of folk are really weird about him. And there's this one sheriff who is the possibly the ultimate in dick movie characters. I do love a good dickhead movie character yeah. who's just a knob. Yeah, they, they were all over the place in the 80s. There was the guy in Die Hard 2. There was... Uh, the guy in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, same same actor, Ferris Bueller. Just people who were just dicks. Just, just, and I love, that, I love that because he's been in that town for so long and that Margaret, who's like our first introduction to like the, yeah. the community, she used to teach him. Mm. So straight away he's like, ah, oh, she's he's been a bully since second grade, yeah. and he's just a, he's just looked down upon, even yeah, though he's like a cop and a sheriff or whatever. There's a scene in um another one of these movie dick characters is Sinbad from Jingle All the Way, where he finally gets his comeuppance at the end for being such a dick all the time. It's like with arachnophobia, well, no. that happens all the time to this character. I'm going to have to put a hold on the arachnophobia because I was going to bring up a dick character in Jingle All The Way. And I think it's interesting you've gone to Sinbad, which, for those of you with poor memories, is the black dude. Yep. Right? He's not the dick in Jingle All The Way. Mm. The dick is Clarissa's dad next door. Yeah, the next... Mr. Non-Alcoholic Ergnog. That guy who's trying it on with Arnie's wife. Yeah, you're cooking. Right, that's the dick character, Rob. Mm. I think the distinction is important to make. Yeah, because... Sinbad's motivated. He just wants to get a toy for his son. I get that. Yeah. What's the dude that's next door? What's his deal? Cookies. Yeah, he's a fucking dick, Rob. Yeah. True. I suppose Sinbad is more of an antagonist than... Right, well, we can review Jingle All The Way come December. Yeah, that's our big... um... Retro review for that month. <laughs> but, yeah. back to Arachnophobia. But that's such a good movie. Do you know what I really appreciated with it as well? Mm-hmm. Is the script is airtight. Yeah. Every moment, everything has a payoff later in the movie. Yeah. Everything. And I think it, it's just so nice as well with, like, they're almost the murder mystery type thing of it because 
when he moves there, his, his first patient, our first introduction to the community, Margaret, mm-hmm. he takes her off this blood pressure med- medication, and then a couple of days later, she gets bitten by a spider and dies. Yeah. Then the other doctor's like, oh, high blood pressure, it was a heart attack. Yeah. And there's that, is it a spider bite, or is it malpractice? You a bad doctor, you doctor death. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's just so well written. They don't make movies like this anymore. Movies. No. About just a town. Yeah. Just, just people. Yeah. Communities and stuff, you know, yeah. you have a little bit of like, well, hey, a little yeah. light-heartedness. Like, it's, it's a day in the life, almost. And then there's a spider attack. But that can happen in a day. It, was, it, was, it had almost like a Stephen King element to it, didn't it? Mm. Where there are like, it's about a town, it's about community people. You get to see like, you know, yeah. your sheriff, your butcher, your this, your that, mm. the teacher. You, there's, you get a real feel for the place. Yeah, you, you know this... The the location is almost a character, yeah, in of itself. It is odd though that you mention Stephen King. I know. But mm. before we do that, to repay the favor for bravely for you watching Arachnophobia, thank you. I was very, br- I was a good boy. I I get a lollipop. We will go and watch Fire in the Sky to watch me squirm because mm. I've not seen it since the event itself. Excellent. <laughs> uh, mm. So yes, that'll yeah. be next week. But what for now? Uh, for now, I think we should move on to something else which we find quite scary, and something else we've been dropping hints on all episode. Stephen King. Mr. King. The what do you reckon is his best movie? No, no, I won't do that. They're all really good. Yeah, they are Tell all what, really good. Should we just discuss Stephen King? I think we, we should. To jingle, please. Sir Stephen King, as he should be now, mm-hmm. hails from Portland, Maine. Yep, which is why all of his stories take place there. Do they? Just about. Well, before we started recording this segment, Rob enlightened me by telling me that Stephen King wrote Running Man, as in that Arnold movie. That Arnold movie. Which blew my mind, because I was thinking uh, that when we did this section, I was going to talk about Shawshank Redemption, and some people were like... Stephen King wrote the Shawshank Redemption, but yeah. yeah. But Stephen King writing Running Man is the equivalent feeling I was hoping to invoke in the audience who didn't know that he wrote Shawshank Redemption. So, I feel perplexed. Thank you. I, I, I do well. I, do I can't well. believe Arnold Schwarzenegger was in a Stephen King movie. Yeah. I, did, I didn't think we'd be talking about Arnold in this yeah. section at all. Yeah, no. He, uh, yeah, it was based off uh, Stephen King's Hunger Games. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, do you know what they call the Hunger Games in Europe? A battle royale with cheese. Nice. Um, but yeah, the Stephen King movies I didn't tend to talk about. I mean, first and foremost, when you think Stephen King movies, in yep. my opinion, the first one that pops to most people's heads is The Shining. Uh, the very second one to be adapted? I don't know. Was it the first Carrie? The first was Carrie. In what, like 73 or something? Yeah. And then and 75, 76 was Shining. Yeah. And then I don't know what the one... Uh, after that would have been if it wasn't The Shining. Yeah, but yeah, but... The Shining. Mm. It is awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's that horror film that people who don't like horror films say they love. Yeah, it was one of the first few Blu-rays I watched because it's, it's strange for a horror movie to be a great visual movie. Mother. But it is such a great visual movie. Mm. Um I always find it interesting that, like, we'll, we'll talk about this a lot with a lot of the films, is Stephen King famously hated it. Yeah, despised it. Because, basically, he thinks that by casting Jack Nicholson, or by virtue of Jack Nicholson, that there's no surprise that this bloke goes insane. Yeah. Which... Whereas, I, I don't... If it had been, like, a Dustin Hoffman, mm. could have been a completely different movie, because you wouldn't have anticipated Dustin Hoffman going bonkers in that hotel. Yeah. See, I think it's, with Jack Nicholson, the thing that works about it is that he's so expressive. And he he does perfectly work the mad, the scenes of madness, but you can always tell what he's thinking or every nuance of whatever he's doing. Like, even when he's just typing his novel away and uh, Shelley Duvall walks in, you can already tell something's up and it's just that performance, just that, on edge. Yeah, it's constantly tense, even in that opening job interview. Yeah. He's got something about him where you're like, what's mm. up with this dude? Yeah. It's it's odd that The Shining is um, one that Stephen King doesn't like, because as far as what Stephen King 
does best in his books is that he's always more about the existential dread. And he writes pages and pages and pages of details about this world to envelop you in this world and go, but then there's something wrong with the world. And The Shining is pretty much that feeling the movie. Oh, no, I always imagined it was like a fantasy of his, of being like, oh, I'll just go spend a winter in a hotel that doesn't get used, and then I can, you know, I'll take care of the hotel, and I'll write, it'll be great. Yeah. And then him just imagining the worst-case scenario from there on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Although that's... Being married to Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Because that's a performance. Yeah. Like, Shelley Duvall, I mean, most of it, she just has to scream Danny. Yeah. But, good God, she screams Danny well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... She seems terrified. <laughs> yeah. uh, generally, throughout most of the filming of uh, The Shining, she was. Cause... Yeah, didn't Stanley Kubrick give her like a super hard time? Yeah, he was intentionally uh, traumatising her, essentially. So she... I think at one point he had told her that some, of, some family member of hers had died. And <sighs> every time that she did a take, even if it was good, he would scream at her. It'd be like, that was fucking shit. This film's going to be a disaster. Fuck you. You're terrible. Whatever. And do it again. Yeah. And he, I think this was the film where he did 174 takes of one scene in a, in a day. It was, it was a horrible experience for her. And then after the film, uh, came out and everyone was like, well, Shirley Duvall did a really good good um, performance. Stanley Kubrick was like, yeah, no, I had to uh, mistreat her just to get that out of her. And Shirley Duvall was like, I'm an actor. I can pretend. I, why did you have to make me f- so fucked up? Very much of the Laurence Olivier style of acting, Shirley Duvall, not the Jared Leto. No, uh, just very much. That's what actors do. They They pretend. It's such a good movie. Yeah, it's an excellent film. Mm. Not but from one seen. powerful Stephen King lady to another, because you would think that The Shining would have won Oscars. Mm. Not a single... It didn't. In fact, none of the Stephen King movies have actually won Oscars apart from one. Uh, would that be Misery? Misery. Kathy Bates mm-hmm. as Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes, yes. Good. In Misery, which is... It could be my, I think it might be my favourite King, because it's a horror, yes it is, but it's more of a thriller. Yeah, it's that, it walks that tightrope of, because there's not that much threatening scenes. No, you're scared of a, like, a religious nurse. Yeah, (laughs) like she's, it's just more that constant dread, just this. Being imprisoned. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's great, and it? He finishes this, but he's, he's a writer again, because yeah. Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So this dude's a writer. He finishes his book. You know, he has his champagne and his cigar or whatever. Yeah. Driving home. Crashes. Oh, no, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, wait. You've been saved by a nurse. Yeah. Oh, wait. She's a fan of your books. That's yeah. brilliant. But she's, no, she's seriously a fan of your books, dude. Yeah. You ain't, like, you ain't going nowhere. She loves them books. <laughs> like, and again, imagine Stephen King being the writer writing that. Yeah. Being like, thinking, he must have nearly crashed mm. driving home and, th- and then just thought, what if one of my fans had kept me yeah. but had been like a fan of macabre horror? Either that or he had been to some convention because they existed back then and had met somebody like that because they're out there, those super nerds. <laughs> Are you basing this off your whole Comic Con appearance 2017? Yes, I'm basing, I'm hoping that some of those super fans will turn up for my book signing on the 16th of September. Plug. Yep. Well, yeah, Misery's great. Kathy Bates, mm. who's your, who most people will know as the nice lady in Titanic. Yeah. It's, um, it, it says a lot about a performance when so many of the actors who were approached to play uh, the the author himself abandoned the role. They were like, "No, we're not going to do it." Why? Well, chill out, actors. Yeah, because most of that movie, James Caan is in bed mm-hmm. or in a wheelchair. Yep, that's it. Don't get to do a lot. Excellent performance, though. He and he's the the beauty of that performance. I think is that we still understand who he is, despite the fact that for seventy five percent of the movie he's pretending. Yeah, he's pretending in front of Annie to to, to just placate her, just just oh right, everything's fine, you know. 
but we know that he's pretending. Yeah, we know. We can see the subtle looks at certain points where he like grits his teeth or you know rolls his eyes. Yeah, yeah. where he has little chinks, but it's like the little chinks are just for us. Yeah, like we're getting as as he is our viewpoint into this other world. We are also getting a little viewpoint into him. And yeah, him as a character. Um, and it also features one of the great things that Stephen King movies do, like Scatman Crothers in The Shining, mm. um, the sheriff in Misery, the big, here I come to save the day, and Stephen King's like, no bitch, yep. and I love that, I, I always fall for him in every Stephen King movie, you know, in Shawshank Redemption, you think that Andy's going to get the evidence that exonerates him, Yep. <clears throat> you know, everything, it, he, he's so good at it. It feels like living a day of my life because it's constant disappointment. Well, that's something you've got to set up with your expectations, Rob. Mm. Maybe yeah. they're out of whack. What? So I should well, you, you think you're an, an author. Why was my Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> yeah. So this is something that I've often advocated as a strategy to watch movies by is always go and expect it to be bad because then either you're correct and you can be smug about it or you're wrong. And you're pleasantly surprised. And everyone poo-poos that idea. So thank you, Captain Cook, for validating that stance. That was not my intention. But back to the Stephen King list. Mm. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. The Shank. Yeah. The Shank is the first DVD I ever bought. Really? I got a PS2 from Virgin Megastar. Whatever Christmas it was. And The Shank was there on DVD for $1.99. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get The Shank. And it was such... Because The Shank's quite a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those DVDs that you had to turn over halfway through. Yes. That was right at the beginning of the uh, DVD craze. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yes, you have to turn it over like an animal. <laughs> I know. Like it, like it couldn't fit standard yeah. definition quality onto a DVD. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. The Shank. Great movie. It has Stephen King elements in it, but... Most people think Stephen King, horror, yeah. it, Shining, Carrie, no. Yeah, and yeah, in many ways, it almost is a horror in so far as the themes it explores, because it's not about, um, oh, there's a spooky monster that's out to get you, but it's about human nature and going, well, what if the punishment must fit the crime, but what if the punishment is... The motivation. What if that's what you're after all along? True. Yeah. It's just this unnerving... But now that I think about it, there's there's one horror moment that really stands out in the shank, and that is the sisters. Mm. I'd like to say Andy Dufresne fought the good fight. Yeah. But he didn't. was raped repeatedly by the sisters. Yep. Dropped their soap. And, ooh. I mean, mm. I haven't read the book, but I imagine... Yeah. It's quite graphic. Yeah. Given that Stephen King likes to write for 10,000 pages just over and over again, that, that would have been a grueling kind of... He's prolific, isn't he? He's not, I don't think he's L. Ron Hubbard level, but he's, he's must be nearing in. Yeah. Or did L. Ron Hubbard literally just... He didn't edit, did he? He didn't do no, drafts. He no, just he, wrote books. Yeah, he just put them out and was like, good, they're done. That, that's, it's my artistic vision and I couldn't possibly taint that. By the way, would you like to hear about my religion? <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I love the Bill Burr line that he says, um, El, like, it's amazing that L. Ron Hubbard had a social security number. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you found him members of religions and stuff, and this dude had a bus pass. Yeah. He's just <laughs> like, a normal dude. <laughs> like that. It's too near. It's too close. Yeah. There's a, it's just that comfort level. I'll remind you, um, I've, that has only started to get me thinking on what this Stephen King version of Scientology would look like if he ended up going down that road. Wouldn't it be like Parademons or some type of thing? It'd be something like Hades. Something comes from Hades. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, given that L. Ron Hubbard is all about, oh, it's coming from the sky. It's coming from space. He's like, ah, it's, it's below. It is below beneath me. us. Yeah. We are humanity and we stand atop everything in the universe. Mm. Which is odd given that his view of humanity usually means bullies suck and religions suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, do, you gotta love that. The religious people in King movies do not fare well. No, they're always, always terrible people. Just he, evil. Yeah. They always die. I mean, Carrie, the, the one that started it all as far as movie adaptations go, the real villain is scripture. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what's evil. In yeah, not the bullies, not the pig's blood, not the prom stuff. No. Scripture and yep. a mad mum. Yeah, that, that's that's the ultimate. Um, that's the thing that gets the cathartic ending of like I'm burning everything down. Ah! That's the final thing. Did you see the remake of Carrie with the kick-ass Chloe Grace Moritz? Uh, Chloe, I ruined let the right one in. No, I didn't. I did. I watched it on the plane to Oz. Uh, it was awful. Uh, but can... Julianne Moore mm. as Carrie's mother was fantastic. Yeah. it's um, It was one of those... Uh, I don't know if all of them were made by this company, Platinum Dunes, but there was a series of just remake after remake after remake of horror films. I know that Carrie was in that kind of last dread. It was, yeah, it it was bad, but I like the story of Carrie. Mm. You know, this young woman becoming a female, becoming a lady. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. How do we significantly make the um, metaphor of growing into adulthood for women? Blood. Shitloads of it. Blood everywhere. That that's that's what being an adult is. Never grow up. And it, does it have the next? The, the, does it have the first, like, last frame jump yeah. scare? Yeah. Um, yeah, because that was the bit that people most remember about Carrie was the very end. Yeah, where a hand comes out of the grave and then it did it. The end. Yeah, because I don't. Um, Which is revolutionary in 1973. Good old Carrie. Yeah. What a perfect way to end a film, though. As yeah. a horror, just to remind you. By the way, you're not safe yet. But then it's interesting as well that King can do like quite nostalgic, uh, like friendship movies. I'm thinking like the Stand by Me's. Yeah. That really, the, that's a group of kids who find out there's a dead body that you can go see. Yeah. And they're like, right, let's go see a dead body. Yeah, uh, it it is one of those. Uh, does it's about friendship and like just going out on your on six weeks holiday stuff where everyone would meet up every morning with your bikes and just be like, right, there's a, there's a really awesome tree and such and such. Let's go climb it. Yeah. Or rather, that's what my youth was like. Yeah. <laughs> see, I think it does. Um... And in the winter, we played games. Yeah. See, see, I kind of started to grow up just as uh, just as the summers started to get more rainy here. Goddamn global warming. Yeah, no, like or yeah. If if anything, a lack of global warming because it was always just raining. And we well, do live on a ship, Rob. I do feel like every now and again, you know, we should just turn the ship south. Yeah, and just keep going till you know we can grow a banana tree or something. Yeah, and then like right, that'll do. Yeah, turn put the potted plant in the middle and just wait. And the further south it is, the higher it grows. We'll keep going till like sunflowers die. Yeah. And that's when we're warm enough. Yeah, that that's when it's all good. Why why would sunflowers die? I'm just assuming because I don't remember seeing any sunflowers in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> but like the shitloads of in England, and it's never sunny. Yeah, so maybe they can't handle too much sun. Yeah, uh, I, ironic given their name. Given it, that, well, that would that be the thing. Is, given the whole purpose of that great big flower and that great big bulb is to get as much sunflower sunlight as it can, it just can't handle it. Yeah, just can't handle 40 yeah. degrees. <laughs> it, like Icarus, it flew too close to the sun. <laughs> Coming from Pixar this summer, Icarus the Sunflower. Icarus is tired of being rained and pissed on, so wants to move south. But how south can he go? Along the way, he'll find some friends, such as Tom the Tomato Plant. What? Hello, I am going to be your dick for this movie. I'm going to get my comeuppance at the end. And is it, what, what other type of plants could he meet along the way to matter plant? Uh, pineapple tree as like the grandfather. Pineapples grow up the ground, Rob. Uh, they do. They do not grow out of trees. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of song lyrics that always mention uh, uh, pineapple trees. Do, do, do. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And Carl, the cannabis plant. <laughs> I'll go as south as, as you want to go, bro. Yeah. God, uh, we're awful at uh, this. We're yeah. about Stephen King movies still. Uh, apparently we are still talking about Stephen King movies. Um, yeah. What was the remaining? Uh, what was the remaining ones to talk about? Uh, not much that we pet cemetery. Pet we cemetery. just pre- quickly talk about pet cemetery. We, if, we can talk about pet cemetery. 
if anything, just to play that little bit of that South Park episode here. Don't bury your son's body at the Indian burial ground, Starch. The one that's right up over there behind the Anderson's barn. Because that guy is one of the great Stephen King characters. Yeah. Just the old timer. Yeah. The- I'm from round these parts, see? It's the archetype that he uses, but you're like, perfect. Well, I was thinking the interesting thing with the Americans is, like, you know, they're afraid of basements. Yeah. Like, in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the shit in your basements. But in England, we ain't got basements. No. And then the other thing that they're always afraid of is, like, old spooky stuff. Like, anything old, anything from, like, yeah. 1800, 1890. Something like that. But in England, why not? Because well, we've got some super old shit. It's this. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this theory. <laughs> well, there actually is a theory about um, the various different horror films and urban legends and the stories which get passed around, and it is usually in relation to where a certain civilization lost their humanity and did the worst. Uh, ah, the Civil War. They... Yeah. Well, the thing is that in America. All their horror stories are about stuff out in the country and people getting abducted in the middle of nature and um, people who, axe murderers who are traveling around. And Rural it's, parts. Yeah. And it's about, and they've said, well, the worst. Or a newcomer to a community, yeah. an older community that yeah. represents the past and we're now yeah, like because mobile phones the and way, coffee. Because literally the way that America begins is the native the native Indian populace are there and they're all hanging out. And then suddenly white people turn up and burn everything and they destroy everything in their path. And then... And give them diseases they were completely unprepared for. Do you know why that is? Do you um, know why cholera and all those diseases killed off like the South Americans and the native Indians? um, Well, in terms of those specific diseases, it's because they never actually had them. Yeah, obviously, um, but do you, know, terms of, do you know why they didn't have them? I'm just prompting you to say no so I can tell you, Rob. Right. I actually do know the answer, but I will, for the purposes of this podcast, say no. They never domesticated animals. They did not. The only one that really almost applies is the alpaca, and even then they didn't But bother. isn't that bonkers? That was hanging around with dogs and horses. Yeah. Gave us a shitload of diseases. Yeah. Because, but prepped us for a load yeah. of diseases, whereas they were living... Like, disease-free. Yeah. Like, beautiful virgin bodies. Yeah. Well, they're... It's a, telling that their biggest disease that they were all immune to and that came over to Europe was syphilis. That was really yeah. the only one, and that caused a rampage in Europe when it turned up. And that's not a contagious animal-based disease. It's... Syphilis. Of, yeah, it is syphilis. Interesting. Well, mm. there you go. Factoids. Yeah. But, yeah, so back to the tangent I was originally on. Um, the, the worst thing that Americans do was kill all of the Indians. And that's why they're scared of old shit. Because that reminds them of a time before, before we were here. And something that might want revenge on us. Whereas Britain, a lot of our stories revolve around the cities. Because we, the worst time for the British populace was like Victorian England and those child... Chimney sweeping. Yeah, chimney sweeps and mines where kids were dying and we had workhouses and disease was all over the place. The cholera outbreaks. Blitz. Yeah. So in Britain, the kind of the horror is in the city and it's in the new and it's in um, sudden just inexplicable attacks that are in urban cities that attack outward. Whereas in America, it's always something comes in from somewhere else. Yeah, from the past. Or yeah, and interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it well, it says a lot that or a lot of Stephen King's stories involve. Oh, we're in a small town, usually in Maine, and there's something evil that's here from long ago. It's a little just, bit like Pennywise, Pennywise the clown. A, a little bit like Pennywise, yes, from the. If, have you seen the badass marketing for the Stephen King's It? It is pretty badass marketing. I um, didn't know, right? But this year, the Stephen King It trailer is the most popular trailer beating The Fast and Furious and had 197 million views in 24 hours. That is impressive. 
And that's a movie with a £35 million budget. Yeah. See, I think that's a lot to do with what... Um, Which you get your Neymar's feet. Yeah. The popularity of the uh, original TV miniseries, uh, 27 years ago. Mm, the Tim Curry it. Yep, and it turns out that apparently a big legend in the book is that Pennywise turns up every 27 years. And so 27 years after it comes out, we now do what we watched. Jingle, please. All right, Rob. Yes, it. Directed by Andy Muschetti. Muschetti? Yep. Isn't that a type of Italian meat? Um, I think that was the name of the woman from Fireman Sam. Muschetti. Yeah. Oh, um, no, Sam. Yeah. It's Sam. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you not aware of Fireman Sam, it was amazing. And incredibly racist. Yeah. Towards Italians, which, you know, if it's racist towards white people, it's it's fine. It's all right. Even if her name, her real name was something like, oh, her name is Bella Pasta or something dumb. Well, Rob asked me, he was like, oh, dude, do you know what the name was for Bella from Fireman Sam? And I was like, I don't. And he goes, have a guess. She's Italian. She owns a restaurant. And I was like, mmm, Bella Spaghetti. Yeah. So they said, it's Bella Lasagna. Yeah. Which... Oh, no, Sam. I normally are stuck in the chimney. <laughs> oh, hello there, Bella. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello there. No, it's, they were all Welsh. Aside yeah, apart from, from Bella. Yeah, apart from Bella. Well, they're all Welsh. Like, oh, I can't do Welsh. Evidently. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in the meantime, it was written by three people. Stephen to, King. <laughs> uh, based on the novel by, but he had no touching of the screenplay. Yeah, of course not. No, he, instead it was Chase Palmer, Kerry Funanaka, Fukanaka. 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 It's it's a hard it's a fucking hard word to say. <laughs> and Gary Doberman. Brilliant. Yeah, a dog. <laughs> and it stars Bill Sarsgaard. Skarsgard. You're awful with your names. You gotta brush up. Yeah, Skars. European names. Skarsgard? Yeah, Skarsgard. Yeah. Swedish. Mm. Yeah, I think that's coming from all of your time watching Vikings, I believe. No, nope, football. Yeah. Just football. Right. Like, seriously. I know like <laughs> how to yeah, pronounce yeah. millions of names. Yes, because no English team has an English player. Actually, that's a complete and utter lie. Oh, I? Right? I thought I could pronounce, like, all the footballers' names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you meet someone from a, another country, you're like, hey, fucking, you're from whatever country? I know a footballer. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> talking to these two Dutch twins mm-hmm. and being like, right, now's the time to super impress them with my knowledge of Dutch footballers. Yep. And I said, uh, virtually Schneider. Mm-hmm. And they laughed wholeheartedly at that. Yes. Because I pronounced that German. Mm. Which and they, there's his yeah. Wesley Schneider. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one was a goalkeeper called Mark Stekellenberg. Mm-hmm. And they laughed heartily at that as well, because it's Mark Stekellenberg. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to nail it. you got to yeah. nail these things. Yeah. Especially seeing as he can't be pronouncing Dutch players in a German way. Exactly. That'd be, that'd be upsetting them. But um, that's why we have, you know, Yanni, Yoanni and Jacex, Karolina Kowalajcic, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I do love yeah, the pronunciation of foreigners' names. Mm-hmm. Foreign to me. Yes. But anyway, it. It. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a movie review here, apparently. And what a movie. Oh. I think we've witnessed a cultural event. Mm. Right. I mean, obviously by now, the word will have got out that it's been immensely popular and immensely well-received. Yes. But it's legitimately broke, like, horror records. Horror yeah. records that have stood since, wait for it, Paranormal Activity 3. Which had, like, the greatest opening week of any horror movie ever, apparently. Mm. And then just nosedived off a cliff a la Suicide Squad. Yeah, well, that was the period where, I think after Paranormal Activity 3, we got into a dark age of... There can be one and only one good horror film a year. Yeah. 2014, it was uh, Under the Skin. 2015. Was it The Witch? It Follows. It Follows was the only one that year. 2016, Ouija 2. Ouija 2. Yeah. Shout out to Ouija 2. Powerful Ouija 2. But then 2017, it's been a very good year comparatively because we've now have three good horrors. Do we? Yeah, we've got Get Out. Yeah. Great shout, yeah, of we've, course. We've got a cure for wellness, and now we've got possibly the best one. Alien Covenant? 
Dick. Ooh. <laughs> See, I don't count that as a horror. It's, it kind of is. It kind of isn't, but it mixes genres much like the subject of today's, uh, review it. Yeah. It was incredible. Hmm. And one of the things I know you liked was the fact that it had the family in it and it had the horror in it. Do you want to go deeper as you were a movie critic, Rob? Mm, I, I think it was very interesting the way that it played against this um idea now that all movies have a set look for that genre. Yeah. Uh, um, the horror films were all dark. And all of the sci-fi horrors are, sci-fi films are green. And all of the action films are blue and orange. And most of it takes place during the day. And there's just long stretches where there's no threat. There's just the kids just hanging out and being likable characters and getting to know one another and the audience getting to know these characters. And so we like them. We don't really want them to die. Which no. I mean, especially because of the kids. Well, it feels strange that it's been so long since a horror film has gone, you know what, maybe people shouldn't be rooting for the monster. That's a great point, actually, yeah. Yeah, because... Though, I'm a stickler. I was rooting for the monster. Mm. I I, I have to give special credit to uh, Mr. Skarsgård's performance, because he's from a a family of actors Mm. and thespians. And for me, he did a great job. I, I could almost liken it... His, his performance, um, completely different, like nowhere in the same, completely different. But like Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight, in that when he's character, his character arrives in the movie or is in the movie, it really punches it up. It, it's almost an exciting thing. Yeah. To have but I'm not sure if that's mean because I, I, you know, yeah, I, I wasn't scared. No. It didn't make me jump or anything like that, mm. you know, but that's not what. You want from a movie like that? No, you want. I found my horror in other places, which I'll get onto later. Yeah, but his performance, like he was fascinating to to look at, to watch, to yeah. his ticks, his everything, and his is... voice was brilliant. I yeah. thought, and because let let's be honest, right? He's following Tim Curry. Yes, which is which is another nice because we had Jack Nicholson's Joker, mm-hmm. you know, and he's I I'd, I'm really really impressed with it himself, the clown yeah. Pennywise. The, the scares, the, the monster, the, the illusions, whatever you want to call them, all the stuff he does. Mm. I was really impressed with it. Really impressed See, with I'm, it. I'm surprised that you chose the Heath Ledger comparison rather than the, the Jack Nicholson Joker, because like Jack Nicholson's Joker, he's the villain, he's a threat, but he's a little bit silly. And that- yeah, well, that, that, is, that, forget the Joker part. It's more to do with you following a legend. Yeah. You know, and an iconic performance because you know everybody mm. remembers it. True, and by the by, they remember Tim Curry, mm. and it's a beloved role. He's a beloved actor. Yeah, he's great. He's Tim Curry. And Who doesn't like Tim Curry? No, everyone needs a bit of curry in their diet. And then you're like one of the scars guards. Yeah, which like, one? He, it was he the one in Thor? No, no. You know. Yeah, he he's one that. Um, so I think props. Yeah, especially as this is one of his. Uh, it's not one of his first roles, but it's his first big role. Yeah, like, blockbuster. Yeah, like, given the fact that he was in Atomic Blonde earlier this year as effectively a bit part, and you would not be able to tell. Like, yeah. and that's how good a lot of that comes from the makeup. The makeup and like it was like a mixture of like makeup and CGI. Yeah, but, but it was brilliant. I mean, I was reading about him. And he's he's been working with contortionists and all yeah. all these different things, and we learned this amazing fact that there's a couple of times in the movies where its eyes. Like, one will go left and the other goes right. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, we can just CGI that. Mm. And Peter Skarsgård is like, oh, no, it's all right, bro, I can do that. Yep. I can make my eyes go in opposite directions. Yeah. That's some Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis, like, level acting. Good for you. Mm. No CGI budget required with this fella. Yeah. I've got a SAG card. Yeah, he just manages in just this... He embodies... It. He embodies Pennywise in a way that his other performances are completely different. It's, he's very much a character actor. I yeah, say. I think he, he seems to have gone balls deep. And mm. I, I like how terrifying he is to a kid because it does make me envious. You know, it's one of those movies that you watch and you're like, oh, 
to be 10 years old yeah. and to have somebody's older brother randomly give you it and be like, watch mm. this. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. See, I know it's... If you put it in those terms, it's an absolutely mm. terrifying movie. Yeah. But See, we're, you know, jaded horror fans. Yeah. See, it's interesting that you bring up the um, idea of showing it to 10-year-olds and younger children because despite the fact that much has been made of, oh, it's an R-rated horror and it's a return of the blood and the guts and the people getting ripped in half and whatever... I would argue that the target audience is like 12, 10, 12 young boys and girls who are just at, of the age of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it did have some standby me elements to it. Mm, yeah. It's not really about Pennywise threatening these kids, but it's more about their traumas from this town and the way that they deal with it in finding friendship amongst themselves. The Losers Club. Yeah. Um, I did think, because before when I said, you know, I didn't really get too much horror out of it, mm. I did find tremendous horror in all of the adults. Yeah. Every adult, whether it be one of the kid's parents, or, uh, you know, somebody who works at the pharmacy, or whatever. Just anyone who was an adult yeah. was horrible. Mm. And I, th- I really like that. Yeah. It, it's something that is very much a child thing of you see adults as separate to you and there's something to be feared even the ones that you're like oh i like them they're great it's like but they have authority and that scares me so you liked all the kids then Mm. that was very much so because obviously this is just the the child part of the it story if you've seen the original it with tim curry yeah this is the first half this is the kids bit yeah um i I think that's structure wise i think that's a lot cleaner because a big problem with both the book and the um, TV, TV series movie. Yeah, the TV mini movie series is that because of the fact that it's always about the adults and they flash back to the kid bits, you're like, well, I know the kids survive. I know they're all fine. Whereas... With this one, you you were like, which one lives again? I don't I don't know if yeah. he lives. He might die. <laughs> yeah, there, there, was a, there was quite a bit of suspense. It was like, oh, shit. Maybe they don't all get out, or um, the, just this level of threat. It wasn't about jump scares. It was about this constant dread. I really appreciated the fact there were no jump scares. Mm. No. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. It, it was just um, it was just the presence of Pennywise, and it was always foreshadowed in the background, and then, oh, he's in the foreground, but it's still like, yep, he, he was there all along. Yeah. Yeah. It is unusual, though, that he um, mostly goes around just being a dick to the kids. <laughs> just like, ha-ha, I'm just going to point and laugh at you and call you fat. Bye. <laughs> I just wish it had been funny if he'd, instead of just picking on those random kids, he'd just gone after kids with, like, clown features. Yeah. Just, just goes after a kid with really big feet. Yeah. Whee! You know what they say about kids with big feet? Well, they were wrong about you. Then all, all the ginger kids. There's a kid with a red nose. Wee! Got to scare you the shits out yeah. of you. Just like any girl who puts on makeup, just like, ah! <laughs> Try me on! The point is, yeah. it should have been, you know, it could have been more clown related. Yeah. They, they have a character who is probably my favourite character of the film, the jokester of the team. Oh, who, yeah. The, the best name in porn, Finn Wolfhart. Yeah. Who is constantly just any time the other characters are like, yeah, I saw this really scary clown and it was really scary. And he, he'd just go something to the effect of, yeah, and I slapped it with my dick. Ha ha ha. <laughs> they missed a real opportunity because nobody turned to him and said, quit clowning around. Was that, was that right? A Rob sat there going, just waiting for quit clowning around. Yeah, right it, if I heard it, I would have, I would have stood up and applauded or left one of the two, depending <laughs> on my mood. It changes very quickly. Well, having sat next to you during that movie, you would have stayed. Mm. You love that movie. I love that movie. We, the Battleship Potemcast, give it a universal thumbs up. Damn right we do. But unfortunately, other people in the cinema also loved it. Yeah. Or didn't. Mm -hmm. Or did various things. But the point of the matter is, we, the Battleship Potemcast, have come up with a theory and we would like you to let us know if we've hit something. If we've hit the nail on the head here. Just let us know yeah. in the comments below. Let us know. If, we, if we've really nailed it. Thank God you're here writing. Anyway, horror movies 
attract the worst cinema audiences. Hmm. Because I believe if you go back to our Get Out review, we cite that there's a dog shit audience at that. Yeah. Now, this was absolutely astonishing. A grown-ass 45-year-old man at one point just whips out his bloody iPad or something. Yeah. Bright, massive light. Yeah. Just like, why, why stop there? Why not phone somebody and do a running commentary on the film like the guy behind us was doing all the time? Uh, I, he was on a date or something. Yeah. Was- and I, he just kept commenting like all the time. Like The trailer would be like, Come get your, uh, you know, the advert. Come get your refreshments now. And he'd be like, no, right, I've got some beers in my bag. Yeah, is it? But then the girl never laughed. Yeah. But there was repeated things where characters say stuff and he'd just come out with some snarky comment. But the girl never laughed. Yeah. Like, when the girl's not laughing, change your game. (laughs) Yeah, just come... You've you've struck out. Yeah. Like, she is more interested in the film than you. Yeah, as are we, so shut the fuck up. Yeah, I you. hate the horror, but yeah, the point is the horror movie just seems to be able to attract people who forget that they're watching a film and instead think they're participating in a roller coaster. Mm. It's and it's like it's a ride, and everyone's yay, and you know, let's come along and make noise. No, 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 no. I mean, I will forgive a scream, but you, yeah, even then you're like you've got to be young. Yeah. See, I think it's something that um, I've noticed a lot with film horror films now, is that they're all couples going for dates, and they're now... And there's me and you. Yeah. Thank God it's 2017, Rob, we can hold our heads up high. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what modern horror it is. It's meant to be reassuring. The whole point is that you go, well, I wasn't scared. Well, I wasn't scared either. So why do that in the middle of the film? During, during the show. What, you th- you think like when, what the whole idea of couples going to horror movies is that you can both turn to each other and be like, well, yeah, it didn't scare me. Yeah, well, it's meant to be that um, either showing how brave you are or having, it's a ghost train where if a jump scare gets you, you get to go, Bwah! and then you laugh it off because <laughs> it's so silly. The, um, Are you ready for some misogynistic views? All right. I used to take girls, like, back in the day. Back mm-hmm. in the day, was over a decade ago now. Yeah. <laughs> um, on date, on not dates. Yeah. Whatever. I'd take them cinema all the time, and I would mostly, if not always, pick horror movies based on the assumption that because they're a girl, yeah. they're going to be scared. And mm-hmm. I'm a big, strong horror fan, and I'll be cool. And I can reassure Cheeky Spoon, and then who knows what's going to happen. Mm. Did, it, did it ever pay off? Of course it did. Yeah, well. Not because of the horror movie. Yeah, that was probably completely irrelevant. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but it was still like, do you want to go see... Dude, I accident. I say... Ac- yeah, no, straight up accidentally. I didn't think it through. I really want... <laughs> right? Oh. For some, I had a missus at the time. We've been going out like about eight months or some shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're comfortable. It's not like a, like a what the bloody hell, date day one. Yeah. We're off to go see this mad movie. For some reason, I really wanted to go see the remake... Of the last house on the left, yes. And for those of you who don't know, <laughs> um, the last house on the left stars a young girl who just gets brutally raped at the beginning of the movie by yeah. a group of people and just survives on an absolute horror shit show. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is her gaining a vengeance, famously chopping a dude's dick off with a pair of scissors. Yeah. And yeah, I took it to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just giving them ideas. No, but it was just like. Arses for courses, man. That, that, yeah. I, I don't know. That, I had to watch so many episodes of Sex in the City to repay that one. Yeah. See, I think the um, worst example of that, not taking a lady to yeah, a film. Yeah, because God but, forbid you take a lady to the cinema, Rob. Yeah, but um, at, at, at when Prometheus first came out, Brilliant. Uh, the big centerpiece scare of that is the caesarean abortion scene. And uh, we were walking out after the film and being like, that was a good film, that was a good film. And um, one of the people who worked at Odeon, this pregnant, very pregnant woman, was like, oh, is it good? Maybe I, I should go see it. And I, I was this close. I was just going, yes, wholeheartedly. I'd absolutely recommend it. Get it in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was just a... but on the subject of like horror and shitty audiences, mm. I have been in the greatest horror audiences of all time. All right. uh, we used to go to the Leeds Zombie Film Festival. Yeah. Something we keep dropping on this Podcast. Yeah, because it's 
just I've seen so many of the best zombie movies and horror movies at the cinema hmm. with a crowd of 300 people who are absolutely chomping at the bit. Yeah. And like have you ever seen Black Sheep? Is it Kiwi film? Yes. About zombie sheep. Yeah. And it's a comedy. It's like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. But you know, and the audience participation in that, we were giving people like round, characters were getting like round of applauses when they were dying. Yeah. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. It, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Like, you know, and I also am a big fan of what appears to be black cinema and I base this entirely on scary movie. Aye. You know, where they're all just like, whoa, just shouting at the telly and stuff. And yeah. Shouting at the screen. Just, just when they like, get... full on commentary. Mm. I kind of dig that. I could do that, but it'd, only be, it'd have yeah. to be certain movies. I'd have to go see like a Liam Neeson's yeah. movie. See, I think at a festival setting it works because everyone's like, well... We've mostly all seen this film anyway, so yep. let's just have fun. Da, 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 da. But when it's like, I'm seeing a new film for the first time, and I don't want to be interrupted by True. cell phones. This. So on that bombshell, let's know. Our horror movies got the worst audiences. Do you want to try that again? with uh, Maybe as the writer who has written the debut novel Mother and Monster and is having a book signing on the 16th of September, I can help you write a proper sentence. Go on, then. What were you trying to say? I forgot it now. <laughs> what? That, I had to get Are that. Are you up. high? Yep. Do horror films attract the worst audiences? Let us know. Jingle, please. <laughs> <laughs> Saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. What the hell was that?